Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Welcome to the Man on the Post weekend review. Now, ordinarily, I think we'd be here uh, covering the Euros, but obviously that's not the case right now. But we are back with Premier League football. My name's Chris, and joining me as ever, it's Dave. How are you, sir? Hello, Chris. Yes, I'm very well, thank you. Glad to be back. Yes, as I just saying before we started, it, it seems to have been forever since we recorded this, but then I remember it was like 100 days between Premier League matches. Yeah, I mean, that's relying on us actually doing the podcast on the last weekend it was on as well, which with us, you never really know, do you? That, that's, a, that's a very good point, a very <laughs> good point indeed. But a sense of normality has uh, has returned uh, and, and the Premier League is back um, and it's it's on all the time, Dave. How do you feel about that at the moment? Uh, I mean, I, I love the theory of it, but um, I have a, an eight-month-old baby who gets you know put down to sleep between six and seven on an evening, so... It's uh, it's been alright so far, but like I know Newcastle on at six o'clock on Wednesday or Thursday, I think it is. So that's gonna be interesting. But uh, luckily, they've obviously put the six the six o'clock games aren't really the best. Mm-hmm. But so, yeah, every single game on TV as well. You can see why like people go, oh, we want every game on telly. But like some of the games I've sat through, I can understand why they're not on telly. Like <laughs> we wouldn't be missing out if we never watched Palace v Bournemouth again. Let's be quite honest. To be fair, it was it was better than some of the games that were on TV, Dave. But uh, we'll we'll, we'll come well, to yes. those yeah. uh, shortly. Um, so yeah, the Premier League was back. There were a couple of games in midweek, but we're not covering those because I believe the extra time guys have already covered them. Uh, so we'll start off with with Friday's games then. Uh, and first up was the the six o'clock kickoff. I don't think I'll ever get used to saying that. Uh, and that was Norwich ho- uh, hosting Southampton. Um, there's not really. Much, I don't know what to say about most of these games because there's no form really. <laughs> Because no, no one's played for three months. Um, I've forgotten half the players uh, and stuff like that. The, the, the one main interesting thing I found in this one is that Norwich's ground has a hotel in it that Southampton fans managed to book rooms in so they could watch the game. Oh, that's very clever of them, isn't it? I knew um, the stadium had a... Um, oh, Mara's just scored. Um, I knew the stadium had a, a, a hotel, but uh, I didn't realise that they would not been clever enough to book themselves into it. Fair play. Yeah, there were rumours that Norwich had book, completely booked out the hotel to stop that happening, um, but there, there was um, there were videos and photographs of Southampton fans like looking out windows and <laughs> stuff like that. Um, it doesn't look like it's a very big hotel. It's not like a MK Dons where the whole of one stand is a hotel. Well, that's yeah. Well, it's cl- really cl- strange. Classic MK Dons, that doing it. Um, the game itself was. Uh, for the first 20 minutes, I thought Norwich looked quite bright, but then they seemed to run out of ideas, and then mm-hmm. Southampton were just the better team, both on paper and in reality. So, um, 
Danny Ings picking up where he left off, really. It's a very yeah. nice finish. 19, 19 goals this season. Yeah, who'd have thought that? If, it feels weird saying this season when, there hasn't, <laughs> when there's been such a big gap. Um, yeah. yeah, third highest score in the league. Yeah, he took his goal well. And, um, I mean, Norwich can't defend. That hasn't changed. Mm-hmm. Um, people were kind of thinking, well, would the lack of fans make any better for them? Uh, no, it won't. It's a short answer to that. They need all the help. That, <laughs> they need all the help they can get. So, um, I think they needed to get something here to give themselves a springboard to get out of that bottom three. And it, I just can't see it. If that's the yeah, that's the barometer for where they're going to be. Then they've got. So they're, they're they're bottom, aren't they, Norwich? And and they don't look like they're, they're yeah, going to fight their I mean, way. I mean, they're six effectively seven points with a goal difference from from safety. Um, with eight games to go, that's, I cannot see it to be honest. So I suppose the only thing they've got going for them is that teams around them are looking a bit poor as well. Like we'll come on to Bournemouth uh, shortly, but Bournemouth are not looking good. Uh, Villa are putting up a decent fight, but not picking up any points. Yeah, I mean we're obviously coming to Villa against Chelsea later on, but uh, they they've had the same problem all season that they can't defend. Um, and I think certainly before the break, it was apparent the teams were starting to just mark Grealish and that was going to be fine. Um, that's certainly seemed to be what happened yesterday and the Grealish pretty much got hatchet man for an, for an entire match. Um, mm. And obviously they scored from, I think it was from a set piece. But they're, um, I think the bottom four as it stands now are in the biggest trouble from what I've seen. Um, Watford soon have a bit about them. Um, but yeah, I, I, I can't see anyone above that being dragged in from what I've seen so far this weekend. Yeah, uh, Southampton pretty much safe now by the looks of it. Oh, definitely. Yeah, yeah. No, if anything, there'll be trouble in the top half. Um, with Ings, they've got a goal scorer, and uh, mm-hmm. it's um, it's worth its weight in gold, really. Especially in these yeah. games where we've seen so far, they've been a bit nip and tuck in some of them. Not much between the teams, and if you've got a goal scorer, that'll make all the difference. Yeah, it's hard to judge really, Doc, uh, how good Southampton are looking, because as I say Norwich were, were really, it was the goals were all too too easy. It was like exhibition stuff, really, the way they just stood off defenders and play, had plenty of time to place the ball for practically all of the goals. Yeah, I mean that Stuart Armstrong goal, um, how he was allowed to dip inside onto his, I think, presume his weaker foot and still score like, with three or four defenders around him was it's pretty grim, isn't it? Like, it's uh, not the type of goal you want to be conceding. Yeah. Um, I'm just going to move on, Dave, because I have to stop the recording a second because I have a horrible feeling it's not picking you up. Oh, dear. So let me just check that. So this will give Ross something to do. I've been recording since the start, so maybe I... Oh, okay. Ah, that's fine. My rescue. I've just noticed that for some reason, the Maltar hasn't picked you up, so I'm just going to have a quick check. More for my own peace of mind, if anything. So. Come on. Man City have just got a bullshit pen on VAR. I really have. So I'm a bit behind because when you said Mares had scored, it was a good two minutes. That was two nil, yeah, and then and then uh, Aguero was just like, it looked like the guy's got the ball, but they've given it on VAR. Like the ref didn't give it the first time round. Um, right, so yeah, so my recording hasn't picked you up, so I'm just going to make some changes. Ah, that'll be why.
Right. Oh yeah, he's, he's literally just given the penalty on mine. <laughs> but so let's go back to recording. Boom. Try again. Uh, right. So moving on then, Dave. After that little bit of technical issues, uh, the other Friday night game. Now on paper, this looked like a cracker. When I saw this was the Friday night game, I thought, here we go, a decent bit of Friday night football for a change. Uh, Spurs hosting Man United at the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium. Yeah. Not yeah. the greatest of games. To be fair, a lot of the games this weekend, <coughs> excuse me, haven't been great, but this was a bit flat. Yeah, I kind of forgot how anti-football Mourinho is in the first place. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was kind of the worst thing for the game was, was Tottenham scoring first because it they just shut up shop, didn't they? And, and tried to sail the 1-0, which they nearly did. Um, but a bit of genius from Pogba got them the penalty. And uh, the rest was history, really. But it was a nothing game. Half the players on this game, in this match didn't really seem fit. Um, yeah, I I totally forgot that Harry Kane was playing until I saw yeah. Paul Merson's comments. It just didn't make any sense, really, how... Um, how he was he left on to the whole thing, because he obviously wasn't at match pace. Um I know they're not exactly, you know, blessed with options at the minute, but he was so anonymous because he I mean, obviously didn't help that Tottenham was playing so deep. He was pretty much on the field just to be an extra an extra head for corners and pieces and things yeah. towards the end. But um, he he was never never likely to uh, to to do much with that. But I don't know. It's um, he wasn't the only one. Has to be has to be said. I mean. Obviously, Rashford's been very, very busy during lockdown doing other things, but he, yep. he was ch- 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 changing the, <laughs> the structure of the government. <laughs> yeah. yeah, obviously came back from uh, came back from a, um, a long injury himself, and he probably mm. didn't, didn't have his greatest game, I don't think. Um, but then you had the likes of Martial, who were fairly anonymous throughout. Yeah, um, it, was, it was just a, a game of, of nothing really. <laughs> Yeah, I, I found it quite interesting. As I say, I didn't notice that Kane was playing. And that, I think the few times that Tottenham uh, broke through to attack, really, was was when, like, uh, Bergwijn, who, who scored the opener, obviously, thanks to De, De Gea, uh, I think, as you called it, Chris Packett hands. Yes. Um, and I think that's being generous there. Uh, but the only other time Spurs really broke through was when uh, Son broke clear and was racing through on goal, I suppose. Uh, and you don't see, Harry Kane's not that sort of player, is he? Harry Kane isn't the sort of player you're going to see running towards you. Like He's not going to run 30 yards with the ball no. one-on-one with the keeper. I wouldn't have thought so, no. <laughs> um, that's the thing with, with Tottenham. We've said this since Mourinho took the job. He doesn't really fit the players they've got. I know Mourinho went on his little rant today about all the players he's had who've scored buckets of goals, but uh, I just can't see it here. Um, not unless they're going to spend lots and lots of money. Um, and I just don't think they, they can, because uh, that stadium's obviously a bit of a noose around their neck in that regard. So um, it'll be very interesting to see how it pans out. Yeah, definitely. Uh, Paul Pogba, as you mentioned, made his his return from injury, basketball holiday, strike, <laughs> whatever else he's uh, he he's been on. Um, yeah, he came off the bench and he he looked like the Paul Pogba role, didn't he? Especially winning that penalty, the way he just jinked around Eric Dyer, and obviously we all know getting round Eric Dyer itself uh, is no mean feat without changing postcode. Um, but yeah, <laughs> completely played him for a fall to to win that penalty. Yeah, Eric Dyer. The only thing worse than Eric Dyer in midfield is Eric Dyer at centre back. So, <laughs> um, long live Jan Vertonghen's contract dispute. <laughs> uh, 
Well, he's, he's signed a, a temporary deal, hasn't he? Has he? Is it retired? One of Spurs' defenders has signed a, a new deal until the the end of the season. That's very good of him. I mean, he's had three months to do it, but, you know, may as well, <laughs> may as well, may as well do it at the last possible moment. Um, yeah. Yeah, I mean, Dyer and Sanchez, I was surprised it wasn't a disaster before it, you know, kind of was. Like, they've both got an error in them, to put it bluntly. Um, I like Sanchez, I think he's got a bit about him, but he's also got an accent in him. Um, but, uh, yeah, Eric Dyer against skill, like, like the Pogba, little drag back, obviously fooled him completely, um, and the rest. Fernandez just doesn't look like missing from the spot. Mm-hmm. He's made a huge difference as well, hasn't he, Fernandez? I, I he think, has, I, yeah. I think they're unbeaten with him in the team. Wouldn't surprise me. Him, him and Pogba together sound like they could be very good. But obviously Mourinho will play McTominay forever. Well, well how, how would you fit them all in? What would you what would you do? Would you have Pogba as the 10 or Fernandez as the 10? Or what would you... I don't know because we've had this dispute, uh, discussion with Pogba before. It's, it's knowing what type of midfielder he wants to be. Uh, whereas Fernandez. For me, Fernandez is better coming from deep because he drives the play. If you know what I mean? Yes. Yeah. Like he'll pick, he'll pick up the ball deep, very much in a similar way that Jack Wilshere used to do at Arsenal. He'll pick the ball up off a defensive midfielder or even off the centre back and draw. You know, he's quite comfortable carrying the ball and driving it forward. And obviously, he can spray it about a bit. Whereas Pogba in that kind of position, Pogba will stride forwards, but then he'll try a roulette or he'll try some weird Hollywood pass that won't always come off. Um, so yeah, I, I'm not sure how they're gonna do, how they're gonna do it. I think he I think he'd probably be better playing a little bit like, as as maybe an eight or a ten rather than as a as a six as they call it now. Yes, I hate all this referring to positions by numbers because like <laughs> yeah. surely it's different depending on on you know what formation you're playing. But that's that's probably a discussion for another day. But um, <laughs> yeah, back in my day, a six was a six and a four was a four. Yep. <laughs> yep. Six was a centre back. Yeah, I mean, in my day, and then suddenly midfielders are number sixes. I'm like, well, no, you're not. You're a centre back. I know Paul Ince worked very hard to make number four midfield rule, and now people are going against the hard work of Paul Ince and to a lesser extent David Buddy. Yeah, uh, but say so Fred's been doing really well. Uh, obviously, pre lockdown, uh, Fred was in a decent run of form, actually looking a decent player. Um, but say so I think it'll obviously be him and McTominay. Uh, him or McTominay rather, and then Pogba and Fernandez. I imagine. Yeah. Will be how they go. You would think. Yeah. I hope he. I hope he does do that rather than try and shoehorn players in like Pogba on the left or something like that. Like, it's just mm. not a good idea. Like, just be a make a decision actually and pick your best players. Don't try and pick your favourites in. What did you make of Roy Keane's comments regarding David De Gea? Um, well, one they were hilarious, but two I thought he was. A bit, <laughs> I mean. De Gea is not the keeper he used to be, and he is making a lot of mistakes. But at the same time, it's also his first game in three months, Roy. So, you know, like, come a little bit of slack. Do you think the um, Dean Henderson situation it will rattle him a little? Who De Gea or Roy Keane? Because Roy Keane's rattled already. Well, <laughs> well De Gea, because obviously um, uh, Ole Gunnar Solskjaer came out uh, this week and has said that um, Dean Henderson will be. Uh, number one for Manchester United in England at some point soon. Ooh. And obviously when you've got De Gea, who's not much older, I don't think. It's hard to know. De Gea, of, he's been around he, for so long. Like, Yeah. But he, he's, he's got to be like 20, 26 at the most. Well, he signed, from, he signed from 2011, and that was nine years ago. 
Okay, and he was about 19 then. Okay, mm. no, he's 28 already, really. Oh hell. Um, but yeah, to hear that when you're still contracted to the club and you know you're still highly regarded as a goalkeeper, um, it's got to be a little bit unnerving. You're thinking, you know, am I going to get dropped? Or does this mean I'm finally going to get the move uh, to Real Madrid um, that I've been after? Well, Real Madrid have uh, kind of addressed their goalkeeping situation, haven't they, with Courtois, even if they all hate him. But uh, unless they're going to give up on him, then they've kind of filled that vacancy already. Um, I think it's inevitable that they'll want Henderson to be Man United's number one. I think the, the clamour for it's too much. And he has been pretty good all season, even if he wasn't at his best on Sunday. But he was very good against Villa on Wednesday. So, you know, you, you kind of just change your opinion based on one performance, I think. It's been building steadily. De Gea's kind of graph, if you like, is heading downwards and Henderson's heading up. Um, so I think it's only a matter of time, if not next season, and surely the season after. Yeah, so I think Chris Wald has come out today and said he's confident of keeping uh, Henderson uh, longer. Now, I'm presuming he means next season, because I'm sure they've already agreed a deal for him to stay till the end of this current season. Well, you'd think so, wouldn't you? Um, would there been, what, about nine days left or something before his loan would expire? But um, it, I think what'll help if Sheffield United get into Europe, obviously, I think they'll want to see Henderson at you know, a higher level. Um, mm-hmm. From a United's point of view, that's a bit of a bit of an ideal scenario, isn't it, if they can get getting back to Sheffield United playing in you know Europa League and things just to test him against other opposition. Because, you know, it's one thing being a Premier League goalkeeper. In Europe, you've kind of... Can expect to use your feet a bit more. You probably get more time on the ball as a goalkeeper, and expect it to kind of spray the ball about a bit. So, it'd be another thing we haven't really seen from him yet. Um, but it's a nice position for them to be in because they've essentially got a goalkeeper who's already Premier League quality, just waiting to be bought back without having to spend millions on a replacement. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and there was like VAR drama in the game. How I'd missed VAR, Dave. How I'd, how I'd <laughs> missed it. Um, especially after watching the Bundesliga where they just use it and it works um, <laughs> n- never a penalty was it? Definitely not, not in a million years um, I mean the fact that John Moss gave that in real time is disgusting really <laughs> <laughs> yeah it, it, it was it was very strange uh, and stuff but yeah I, I, I thought that was the only thing you know this game obviously this game wasn't the best game uh, but, but I've been, by this point after this was the fourth Premier League game of the week I was crying out for some uh, VAR controversy, <laughs> uh, other than the Hawkeye issue we had in the in 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 the first game. Yeah, I mean that, that's also ludicrous, but I think that's that's the one in a million they talk about when they talk about ninety nine percent accuracy. Like this was mm-hmm. the this was the one. <laughs> but yeah. Oh well, it was Sheffield United. Fuck them. <laughs> um, on to Saturday's games then, and uh, we started the day with uh, Watford uh, hosting Leicester. Uh, now Watford going, it's I say it's hard talking about form because of the three month gap in the middle. But pre lockdown, Watford had the second best home form in the division. Only Liverpool had taken more points uh, at home than Watford uh, since Nigel Pearson took charge, which is a horrible. Uh, stat, uh, but yeah, Pearson and Rogers were facing their former clubs. I totally forgot that Brendan Rogers was Watford manager at some point. Yeah, not a very long, I don't think, from memory. But uh, it was like eight months or something. Yeah, uh, come straight in. Um, again, not 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 the greatest of games, uh, but came alive in the last ninety seconds. Yeah, I really had high hopes for this one. I thought um, generally, you know, Leicester playing away against a team who kind of need to win usually means for a good game because Leicester are pretty good on the counter. 
but again, it's it's like starting pre-season games, isn't it? There's, there's just mm-hmm. no 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 awful lot of sharpness on the field. Um, yeah. There's so many misplaced passes in every game. Yeah. yeah. Every single game, it's and and I, I ask like somebody who, who's you know played a bit of football now, like here and there. I, I know that when you haven't played for a while, you, you know you miss the odd pass or something, but you don't expect to see it in the Premier League. No. What, so many of them. I don't know if you noticed this as well. I've noticed quite a lot of cases where players are dribbling and um, like the balls are being left behind. I don't know if it's because like we don't normally play in June and the pitch is just a bit drier uh, or, or what. But uh, maybe it's just as you say, like a sharpness. But I think it happened to Sar in this game, which made made us think of that just the way he was he was running away down the left and he just sort of left the ball behind. It has, it's, it's, there's been some the quality isn't isn't quite there uh, and I know that some premier managers apparently behind closed doors uh, were having a bit of a dig that they thought that certain teams were uh, had been sneaking in extra training sessions for extra sharpness <laughs> uh, stuff like, I think Pep Guardiola is reported to have been one of them because uh, he believed that Man City were uh, are off the pace fitness wise uh, well judging by their, their games that we've seen so far they're currently uh, destroying Burnley um, after, after having a training game against Arsenal in, in the week, um, but yeah, and it, it's shown us like most. I think eighty odd percent of the goals in, since uh, the since Project Restart happened have been in the second half, and yeah, this one was the same. Like Chilwell scored a belter uh, in the ninetieth minute, doing his, his best Leighton Baines impression. Yes, um, and, and then Craig Dawson like acrobatically equalising just yeah, afterwards. That's not meant to happen, is it? So it's his first ever goal for Watford as well, but yeah. I mean, in the days of his West Brom days with Tony Pulis, I mean that's probably a, you know the type of thing he learned from Tony Pulis. But um, fair play to him, I couldn't do it. Yeah, but yeah, again, not the not the greatest of games. And how long do you think that we're going to have this, like, where the pace of the game is a little bit slower? Because a lot of people are blaming the, the fact that there's no crowds. And stuff like that, but I, uh, I, I'm not sure if I buy that. No, nah, I don't. I don't buy the crowds thing. I mean, Bournemouth have had no crowds for years, and they, they've been alright for a while. Oh, you beat me to it! <laughs> God damn it! Well, um, I think it might be a couple of games. The good thing is there's another round of midweek games, and I think the more the play, obviously, the, <coughs> obviously the more it'll take out of them, but also the more match practice they'll get. So I, I can't imagine it'll dwell on for that long. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because some clubs have been playing like multiple, like two-hour friendlies, haven't they? And, yeah, see, I, like I, I don't think that'll help, to be honest, because it's not, it's not really a match environment. As players will have probably played an hour, maybe if they're lucky, mm. and been yeah. swapped over. And I don't think that'll have been massively helpful. Uh, but yeah, I said the weather at the moment as well. Obviously, play most players aren't used to playing in June. Um, with, with with the heat and stuff like that. And I know they're having the drinks breaks for, and was, stuff like that. I was going to ask you what, what you thought of the drinks break because uh, I get it when it's a Saturday afternoon and it's 25 degrees, but when it's 13 degrees and hoofing down like it was at the Etihad on Wednesday, yeah. Thursday night, whenever it was, um, what's the point? <laughs> Apparently it helps with fitness. Well, I saw a theory... Keep, to, to keep them hydrated and stuff. Well, I saw a theory as well that they didn't want to share bottles, which I can... Yeah, again, they're, not, they're not allowed to share bottles. All players have their own uh, labelled bottle, whereas previously uh, they could literally, during a game, you could just literally run and grab a drink at the side of the pitch uh, and stuff like that, or they could be given energy... They get these like energy shot things yeah. that they keep in their shorts and stuff like that, but obviously they can't do that anymore. Uh, 
the one thing that I've found, the one that one of the new rules that's coming is that if the ball goes out of play, you can't use the same ball. But that rule has been ignored so much. I didn't know it was a rule. I just thought it was yeah, yeah. convenient. So, so, yeah, as part of the COVID um, things, the ball every time the ball goes to pitch, it has to be cleaned. So what happens if the ball goes out of play? If you notice, obviously there's no ball boys. There's balls dotted around at intervals around the pitch I, on cones. I, I noticed that, but I didn't realise they weren't allowed to use the same one. But uh... Yeah, they're supposed to use a different ball, but it's not being enforced. Like, the no spitting rule, apparently players are to be booked if they, if they spit. Oh, I saw someone spit right in front of the ref the other day. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, literally, it's not happening at all. No. Um, so, but yeah, it, it's 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 the new normal. I mean, the quote. It's these these drinks breaks. They're, they're basically timeouts because they get a good couple of minutes coaching while they're out there. Um, mm-hmm. Which again, like, should you have that? Should you not? It doesn't really bother me, but I can imagine it'll. Uh, It'll rile somebody, no doubt. But especially when they've put in the rule in place with the substitutions, so it's five substitutions from nine now, but you're only allowed to stop the game three times. Yeah, you which... can't you can't make five single substitutions. Yeah, which I think is for the best. Cause otherwise, it would, it would it would be like the old England friendlies, wouldn't where they're just making subs every five minutes because. But then up... you all. Yeah, uh, no, I get it, I, and but like when you're having the, when you're having your drinks breaks and stuff like that, what you, you know, could, couldn't you make a substitution during the drinks break because it's a stoppage anyway? Yeah. Um, could you make a substitution when the other team are making a substitution? If you've used your free breaks, yeah, well, and stuff like that. You know what happened in the Arsenal game against Man City in midweek when we had two players go after after twenty minutes. Arsenal then had to make a triple substitution. Yeah, I thought that well. I think you could have made one at half time as well. That wouldn't have counted towards your your quarter if you like, because it's a stoppage anyway. But as you say, there's at least you know at least one stoppage for drinks as well. So I think that rule was bought in. Wasn't really thinking about you know. I think Ar- it's Arsenal's because they hamstrings. <laughs> a lot a lot of places didn't want to do. Uh, a lot of teams didn't want to do the five substitutions. Apparently, it was Chelsea that really pushed for it. <laughs> uh, obviously, they've got a lot of players. Um, but yeah, a, a lot, a lot of pre- the, the, the initial reports were that a lot of Premier League clubs weren't that interested in doing it. Now, obviously, it's working out for the best because I think we've seen quite a lot of injuries. Not as, a, as an Arsenal fan, I've seen loads, um, but there's been quite a lot of injuries, like small knocks and stuff like that. Like Aguero's just gone off in the Man City game before half time. Ah, uh, he got kicked for the penalty. Um, but I think it really that, that rule only really benefits the big clubs um, in terms of you know. Clubs who've got lots of players at their disposal. Um, Burnley have got seven subs out of nine tonight, and five of them are from the academy. So I mean that tells you how it doesn't favour everybody. Um, but at the same time, I can see why they've done it. It probably is the right thing to do, but it's just one of those things where it will favour the bigger clubs more than anybody else. Um, Watford, uh, I think they're going to be safe now with their home form. Well, I, I mean they're actually a point up on uh, on eighteenth. Um, but I just think Bournemouth looks so poor. Um, Norwich, we've already said, and I kind of expect Watford to carry on their form from before the before the um, the break. But um, it had tailed off a little bit after you know Pearson had his good little run when he first came in. So mm-hmm. they've got good players though, like Saar, Decore. Um, obviously, I know you don't like Troy Deeney, but. He's pivot. He's like the, the, the you know the, he's the the front point of that of that team. Mm. That pass from uh, Decoray for was it was no I think it was from Kapuai to put Saar through when Schmeichel made that save. Yes, yeah. That was 
didn't didn't deserve to be played at Vicarage Road that ball. <laughs> no, you're quite right. But I, I think Watford are in the best position of the bottom five, not just in terms of the league tail, but in terms of the players they've got and the form they kind of carry. They should be all right. We'll obviously come on to West Ham and the others, but from what I've seen this weekend, Watford at least have got uh, a bit of scout about them. And if it gets mm-hmm. if it gets you know tight and nil nil for a while, Watford can can find a goal from somewhere whereas I'm not overly sure West Ham and Bournemouth can uh, Leicester uh, pretty safe with their top four aspirations well they don't seem to win anymore um, so they were in a sticky patch before lockdown weren't they I yeah. think they beat Villa in the last game but obviously that was Villa um, I mean what are they 54 points uh, 8 ahead of 5th place Man United I think they should still get top four um, it would have to be a hellish capitulation to not get it but and as well <coughs> it's not like Man United are uh, in great form really so I think they'll be alright I'm kind of surprised Chelsea are within three points of them because when you think about the, the respective seasons you think of Chelsea losing home to Bournemouth and things and Leicester were title challengers at one point but I guess that just told you how, how Leicester have tailed off mm-hmm. Uh, right, so we'll come on to the first ever three o'clock Saturday game on TV. Um, and yeah, I really wish I hadn't bothered watching this. Uh, <laughs> Brighton and Hove Albion recorded their first win in 2020. Um, sounds worse than it is, I suppose, when there was three months of no games. Uh, by beating Arsenal 2-1. Um, it's funny how we've come on from Watford to this because if Watford scouts were allowed to go and watch games, uh, Basuma will be right on their fucking radar. <laughs> oh my God. Biggest shithouse in the Premier League. Now, I remember we've sat here week after week after week praising the way that Potter has had Brighton playing. But like this... Now, he has a good record against Arsenal, Grandpa. I don't think he's actually ever lost against us. Uh <laughs> Apart from, and I tell you, what, he he must have done because he uh, when he was Austrian manager, we beat them across two legs. But he beat us at the Emirates, uh, and he's done the double as Brighton manager with us. And I'm sure he beat us with Swansea in the cup or something. Somebody was or in the Premier League, he was someone was saying. Um, but yeah, Arsenal's poor form, uh, I suppose, um, after losing to Man United continues. Um, for me, Martin Atkinson, couldn't, how he's allowed to be a top-class referee, and this might sound like sour grapes, but he, he seems... I think someone worked it out that in the Premier League, Martin Atkinson, in the last season and a half, has refereed 25% of Arsenal games. Wow. And he's a fucking shit referee. I thought it was... I, mean, I think you mentioned it on Twitter that Basuma made three or four violent conduct cases. Now, uh, they pro- uh, yeah. They probably wouldn't have all least. been red cards, but there was a good case for a couple of them. Um, yeah, he elbowed what? Saka in the face. <laughs> he took out um, Ceballos off the ball twice and and Lacazette. Yeah, he, he, I mean, he, he, clumsy or just downright aggressive. And, and Martin Keown gave him man of the match. Of course he did. Well, it's Martin because Keown's he, dream, he, isn't it? Yeah, he gave him man of the match. And they even made the thing saying, oh, I think he'd tackle a piece of paper if it blew across the pitch. Like, He's kicked lumps out of people, and everybody's uh, favourite defender, Dan Byrne, was no better. <laughs> like, all he did was kick Pepe I mean, for the whole game. I did laugh when Pepe scored his goal, because it's so obvious what he's going to do. Like It's all he ever does is cut inside yeah, it's, on, it's, yeah. <laughs> on that left foot, and it was like, oh, what's he going to do here? Oh, he scored. Well, fancy that. Um, but that was the only bright spot for Arsenal, really. I thought, uh, mm-hmm. I mean, I'll let you 
have have at these in a minute, but uh, as a club, he's, he's just it's 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 like a hemorrhage now. It's not just like a little a little injury. Is it just absolutely atrocious? Yeah, just can't kill games off at all. You know, we started quite brightly. Saka was was, was bright. Uh, Abamian can pack his bags and fuck off because he hasn't looked interested in the last two games at all. He 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 didn't look bothered. And th- this man's our captain, and you can tell he's he's not interested in 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 staying. I don't care what he says. Whenever a player comes out and and makes the insinuation that it's in the club's um interest that's just putting pressure on the club to offer him more money and this came out the, the day that marcus rashford is petitioning the government government to you know to to change change the way they are uh, treating child poverty in the uk and, and you know and trying to get more money uh, put into helping families feed their kids and stuff like that and a bamian comes out and says well you know my contract the balls the balls in the club's court or that's all i'm saying is like i'll stay if they offer me enough money now the fans get onto the club and get them to offer me enough money i do laugh when uh when he said um this next contract's the most important one because you know maybe his last big payday whatever you want to call it he gets 300 grand a week or something like, i know yeah <laughs> it doesn't really make any difference if he doesn't get this contract someone else will take him on for similarly stupid amounts of money and uh, it's like, but will they at the moment? With the current situation, will someone give him that money? Well, I was going to say he'll end up in China, but I think they relax, they um, change their laws, didn't they, about paying money for stupid, like stupid mm-hmm. money for players? So yeah, uh, maybe not. But I mean, David Silva only... going to Qatar. Yeah, why? The he, only he way can't he's... need the money. Like <laughs> it's just mad. The, the only the only way um, Aubameyang is going to get a, a decent wage is if Arsenal drop their their, their asking price down to something. Like like the Van, like when Van Persie went and he went for like twenty two million or something like that, which to be fair wasn't much, was a high fee at the time, but wasn't what his true value. Well, and I think we'll see, we'll probably see something like that again, but he doesn't look like he wants to be there. And I know Arteta saying sorting out his his contract is critical and stuff like that. I'm hoping he, when he says that it's a case of sorting out his contract is critical to find out if we can plan without him. Hmm. I do watch him during games, and he, I feel like he, he makes a lot of runs which aren't seen because he's on a. He's, he is obviously a very good player. And I think he's on another level to some of your team, mm-hmm. um, but he's not. He didn't behave like a captain. You, 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 making him the yeah, captain he, was was a mistake. I think. Yeah, he, he's he's not he's not captain material at all. He he when he makes these runs, and he does make some very good runs. Yeah, and sometimes like obviously Saka. Um, is 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 you know he's coming, he's looking much better recently. I've given him some grief and whatever. But he seems to be growing as a player, but he's not the sort like you saw that some of the runs that Aubameyang was making. Saka, at 18 years old, isn't going to make that ball. Yeah. Stuff like he hasn't got quite got that in his locker at the moment, and we haven't really got those sort of players in our team at the moment. Xhaka was probably our best player in in, in regards to spreading the ball uh, around and stuff like that. Or God, dare I say his name? I hope he never puts that shirt on again. But David Luiz is actually one of the best passers at the club, uh, and and stuff like that. So we don't have that sort of play at the moment. It it would make more sense for for Aubameyang to leave. I I think the club would be would be better off without him. Oh yeah, I mean, someone needs to make a decision there to let him go, let Özil go, probably David Luiz, as you say, um, and just. For basically start again um, decide who wants to be and then who doesn't um, I think not qualifying for Europe next season would be the, probably the best thing that happened to you maybe not financially but in terms of 
being able to compete again, you might have to take a step back to take a couple of steps forward. Yeah, there's, there's been a lot of talk that um, Arteta has been given backing in regard to transfers because obviously people are saying, oh, like clubs aren't going to spend that much money at the moment because of the current situation. But yet Chelsea are out there, you know, throwing £50 million at, at Werner. Uh, and obviously they've already got the, the, the check deal done and stuff like that, and now they're looking at other players. Uh, but the, the, there's talk that deals... So the, the Thomas Partey yep. um, a deal has been... That talk's been around for ages. The talk is it's practically done, and, also, and you know, I, I think it's around... The, his release clause is around £50 million, um, but apparently there's talk now because he's got a contract deal in place that Atletico can't honour. Apparently, they've, they've promised him some new white pay increase at the end of the season, uh, but they can't afford to honour it at the moment due to the current situation. So apparently, that's negotiated his price down. Um, so apparently, that deal is almost is, is practically looks like it's going to go over the line, and, and Arsenal are willing to back Arteta because I think he's looking at the the way things are going at the moment. He can then go and turn around to the, the to the to the board and say, "Well, look, we've got to spend money to fix this." I'm not going to go and find some 19-year-old kid in the French second division who's going to come in and, and, and fix this issue. Um, so, so hopefully, yeah, they, they can back him. You know, take the hit. We're going to, you know, miss out on the Champions League. But th- there's reports that have been coming out in the last two weeks or so that Arsenal have got a cash reserve due to the way their books are and whatever. That they could, they could, if they went out and spent 250 million pounds, it wouldn't it wouldn't affect us in financial fair play because of the amount of income that we generate. So I think it's just getting... So let's, I'm going to stop ranting about the Arsenal transfer policy and everything. Um, the Leno injury. Mm. What do you make of it? Uh, I mean, so it's obviously very unfortunate, but uh, I think it was just one of those things where the way, the way he's landed. I mean, mm-hmm. you couldn't say more players got to do. Like you, you see that type of challenge probably 10 times a game. Oh, yeah, I, I, I wouldn't argue it was a red card, but he, he jumped after Leno had the ball in his hands, which leaves a bad taste, if you know what I mean. Yeah, it, I mean, as I say, it's like if Leno gets up and gets on with the game and uh, you know, obviously he's not injured, and you wouldn't even be talking about the incident again, would you? It's yeah, just, yeah, no, no, it is true. And it's just the way, the way he's landed is, is very, very unfortunate. Um, yeah. And it's a huge shame because he's been very good this season. Mm-hmm. Uh, thought, arguably our best player, arguably. I thought Martinez was decent, actually, when he came on. Yeah, um, I like Martinez. He's immortal. He, he seems to have been with us for about I, 40 years. Honestly, I'm not sure if he's got Nigerian family. I couldn't or, believe or, or it or when, he, when he came on. I was thinking, who's your, sub, who's your sub-keeper? But uh, there you go. I, mean, I still remember him and Fabianski battled out to be the number two like yeah. about 10 years ago. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he had a different name then. He was Damien Martinez, and now he's Emmy Martinez. Well, I, well, at one point, I generally had to look to make sure they were the same player. <laughs> yeah, because he, he, he's been he's been on loan a few times. Like he was on loan at Wolves. I'm sure he's played for Reading at some point, as all Arsenal reserve goalkeepers do. But yeah, it just seems to have been around for ever, forever and ever and ever. And he's he, I think he's 26. What a guy! Well, it looks like you're going to be seeing him for the rest of the season anyway. Um, uh, oh, the, apparently, uh, yeah, Joe Hart apparently. Uh. <laughs> Let's talk of Joe Hart coming in because uh, obviously they've, the, the Premier League have got uh, special dispensation rules in place uh, for injuries and stuff like oh, that. Yeah, sure. uh, or we could just go and sign a striker like that team in Spain did, though. 
I mean, it happened, their goalkeeper got injured. It happened to happened to us. We had to play youth youth team goalkeeper for us for a month. Happened to you. You're out loan Joe Hart. We had to play Jack Anik, who could barely catch or kick. Well, to be fair, I'll let you have you have Joe Hart, and we'll uh, we'll have this young Jack lad that you use. Uh, to be fair, I think Joe Hart could actually be quite a good signing for us because he'll shake the place up. I mean, because he's he, a psychopath. Does he like making saves? Well, yes, he does. But his practice at Burnley sort of taught him that. But, yeah, uh, he, he he would kill David Luiz, wouldn't he? Could you imagine? Oh yes, uh, I, I imagine he'd shout at him a lot. <laughs> um. Talking of goalkeepers, though, Matt Ryan had another good game. I think there were a few games uh, earlier on in the season where we, we said he'd gone off the boil a bit. Um, yeah, he, Arsenal were, were very guilty of not killing this game off, um, but Ryan did make a few good saves in the game to keep the minute at points. Yeah, he's, he's always been a good shot stopper. He's, just, he's a little bit small, I think, um, mm-hmm. by goalkeeper standards, so it probably doesn't put him in the very top bracket of keepers, but uh, very reliable. Um, obviously, doesn't doesn't give many goals away, but... Uh, yeah, it's. Um, I just kind of. You wouldn't ever have thought oh, that Brighton would win this game when they went one 0 down. Um, yeah, that's the thing. I, I honestly didn't think we play. We were playing too badly. No. Considering considering the pace of the games that we'd seen up to this point as well. Obviously, it wasn't the most intense attacking football. The game was very slow uh, at, at times and whatever. Although that really annoyed me. Um, so Arsenal passing the ball around in like the the last when it, I think they were one nil up at the time. Arsenal passing the ball around, holding possession like they do, and like like other teams do. And the commentators are just laying into them like, oh, it's all very slow, all very lazy and stuff like that. And I'm thinking if Barcelona or Man City were doing this, it'd be patient, build up, stretching the opposition, uh, and all this. And I'm just like, yeah, very weird. Um, but yeah, and then so Pepe scores, Dunk bundles home. Um, an equaliser when he he literally looked like he was trying to block the ball more than anything. Well, that's the uh, worst brain goal of all time, isn't it? The old uh, the old tackle goal. <laughs> did you did you see Brighton's corner routine that they did in for every corner? Yes. <laughs> the, the, the 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 queuing outside the supermarket model. Yeah. What well, what was that all about? Was it England who did something similar at the World Cup? Yeah, once maybe. And Glenn Hoddle called it the the love train. But it was literally every corner, and you, you just thought, "What is going on?" Absolute madness. Uh, and then, obviously, yeah, M- Mope. It, it had to be him, didn't it? Had to had to had to win the game. Well, and... Granduzzi took it well. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so Arsenal fans seem to hate Granduzzi at the moment, which I, I think I said this on Twitter that for years Arsenal fans have have, have cried out for those. For your Vieiras, you know the sort of player that if something on the pitch kicked off, and play, you know in the old days players used to have words in the tunnel and stuff like that. That doesn't happen at Arsenal there because of this soft underbelly that they talk about. Gwen Dusu is quite clearly he will fight you. <laughs> oh, he's more, if, if 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 you if you upset him and all the team, he's more than happy to fight you for it and. Arsenal fans have been screaming for this sort of thing. If you ever listen to Alan Davis's podcast, The Tuesday Club, which is an even though it's an Arsenal podcast, it's fucking hilarious. <laughs> um, and whatever, because it basically it's just Arsenal fans having a meltdown, and Alan Davis being one of them. Um, but um, but yeah, so Gwen Tuesday does this, and don't get me wrong, it was a bit of afters and whatever. But VAR did nothing about it, so obviously the FA can't take any action because it's already been looked at. You know, just handbags in it, really. 
No, it was something or nothing. Uh, in Morpia, Morpia was more at fault for going down like he'd been shot from that. I was going to... Well, this is the, this is two separate incidents, though, isn't it? Because there's the one where yes, Gwen so, Doody, yeah. like puts his arm out and, like, Gives him a gives him a love tap basically, and yeah, Mopay goes down like he's been hit with a sniper, um, and stuff like. That. But then yeah, the grabbing him around the throat, um, yeah, I think <laughs> he was probably probably lucky not to get something uh, from that. But that we do need that aggression. If he could just be a bit more like that on the pitch when the game's actually going on, um, we'll see. Uh, the, the only other comment I've got in regarding to this game, and it's actually both Arsenal games. Of this, so when you're watching the games, Dave, are you at with the sound or without the sound? Uh, I've been with the crowd noise purely because I've watched a lot on my iPad. Um, and okay. when you, when you first go on Sky Go, it, it has a little link to say you know live football. And I just press that. I can't be asked to go through the different channels, so I get what I'm given. Um, okay. Uh, Tell us, so it's so rare now that I sit and watch a match and I'm not playing on my phone or playing on my son mm-hmm. or you know whatever I'm doing. So. I, I, the sound actually helps because at least I know when to look up. That's yeah, that, that's it. what I do. Like <laughs> for most of the games, I've been playing on my playing on my PlayStation or something, and I just have my earphones next to me with the sound on. Mm. So yeah, you, you you have it on, and you can when when you hear the crowd go up or the commentators, you know, oh, better have a look what's going on uh, and stuff like that. But there's two. So I watched the uh, the Man City Arsenal game uh, in, in midweek, and I was watching the crowd noise, and it, to be fair, it was a bit naff. It was it, it was too loud for the Etihad. It didn't sound right. Um, <laughs> So then, um, so then I switched it off towards the end. I switched it to the uh, to to just the normal stadium sounds and whatever. And I did it literally at the point where Edison tried to kill <laughs> Garcia. Yeah. So the first thing I practically heard was bones crunching together. Oh, and like, and you clear it was absolutely clear as day the 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 thud when they collided. And I was like, right, I'm not doing that again. No, that's not what you wanted. Until, <laughs> yeah, until watching the game yesterday where I had it with no stadium noise on and the burnt Leno scream as soon as he hit the floor. You knew it was bad straight away because the, the noise he made when he when he hit the floor, that wasn't just a I've been nudged and I've hit I've I, I want a foul. That's something really hurts. So um I'm not sure yeah, so I, I am all for the terrible crowd noises at the moment because yeah when injuries are happening no thank you yeah uh, that's it i think i'd rather have it than not have it basically is what it comes down to but uh i mean again it's not overly te- it's not overly terrible either it's not in, in most cases uh, i did uh, like in the arsenal game when the afters were going on after the whistle whoever the sound engineers were put booze in yes i actually thought the, the guy <laughs> who the guy who did the brighton one was the best one yet um yeah. I mean, I don't know if it's one guy or whether it's the, the TV company who's doing it or what, but um, you know, fair play. It's um, they're making something or nothing, really. Like it, it, it could have just let let it be quiet, but uh, no, it's it's not I'd, the end of the world, is it? I'd be I'd be very interested to see how it's done though, because most of the time it does seem to match up with the play. Oh, it's it's good. Like um, I think yeah. we've only seen like one or two instances of them playing the wrong noise or whatever. But uh, yeah, yeah, like the like the, the cheer goes after the goal. Like well, like there's like a gap. Then uh, yeah, I think there was there was like one that. where like it looked harder to to, to miss than score, and the the cheered when it went wide. But <laughs> you know, that's, uh, we'll let them off with that. Uh, right, so we'll come on to the 5.30 kickoff on, on Saturday then. Uh, this is probably contended for one of the best games of the weekend, in my opinion. Uh, West Ham against Wolves at the London Stadium. Again, uh, you probably wouldn't have noticed that there was nobody in it. Um, Declan Rice starting at centre-back is the only interesting thing I've got to say about West Ham. 
because uh, so this game was Wolves just looked like the Wolves team before lockdown. Yeah, I didn't see loads of this. Um, I saw the first half, which was pretty dull, and then I've obviously seen me get, seen get better in the second half, which I wasn't, wasn't watching. So I've seen the goals, but uh, I won't be able to you much analysis on this one. But it seems like Traore came on and changed the game. Yeah, it's um, exactly like we were talking about three months ago. Do, do you think Nuno's cottoned on to this and now he plays him uh, purely as a um, as a sub, just so he gets you know 20 to 30 really good minutes rather than you know 70 kind of hit and miss minutes or do you think it's just him easing him back in oh, I don't know he might be easing him back in but they, they seem to have adapted the system because obviously before Do- Doherty was playing that, that right wing back role yeah. and then you'd see him get tired and, and Troy already come on but now Doherty's staying on because they they, they they linked up for the for the second goal um, he's actually brilliant so, yeah. Matt, Matt Doherty I don't think gets enough credit like in terms of an attack and uh, full back or wing back like he gets a golden assist every week. It's uh, mm-hmm. it's ridiculous. I mean, obviously it helps. He's got Jimenez to hit, but uh, he's just up and down that wing all day, as far as I can see. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, Troy, as you say, Troy came on and he was he. Don't get me wrong, Wolves have been pretty good in this game anyway. Um, but yeah, he came in brilliant cross for Jimenez's goal. Considering we we bemoaned Troy for like a season and a bit for having no end product, and I think he was just starting to get it together. Um, before lockdown come in and it looks like he's obviously uh, given up on the white bench for a little bit and <laughs> he's been practicing his crossing oh, I mean it's his final ball has improved so much this season um, <laughs> I was showing here I think it was at the ninth time or something he set up Jimenez um, like I remember Linica said it match the day but um, either way it's uh, it's a good it's a good story for him he's mm-hmm. come from being a bit of a not a joke but a kind of a well he, all he can do is run kind of play it and now being Pretty much the full package. So, but you say he he came through uh, Masala, is it Mastella at Barcelona? Oh yes, yeah. You know, so there's obviously something to him. That sort of player is in there. Um, you know, we, we've seen signs of it, but yeah, Nuno is he's just getting the best out of him. Like entirely, he's, he's you know found a system that where he works and. He's, yeah, he's an impact player. Whether I say whether or not he could do it for ninety minutes is an, another thing. But you know, as someone who spent ten years watching Theo Walcott, um, I wish Nuno had come to the Emirates a few years ago. Oh, well. uh, Jimenez, interestingly, has taken the most shots in the Premier League by a considerable amount. Has he really? I think he's yeah. Uh, I'm sure the stats I saw where he has he has taken like a hundred and ten. Shots or something it's, in the Premier League. It's weird, really, you know, I don't really sort of associate him with like pot shots. Like he's a yeah, he's a, he's a penalty box kind of player, isn't he? Like especially when you've got like the likes of um, Neves, Moutinho, and that lot behind him, and Doherty, who will hit the ball from distance yeah. and stuff like that. But yeah, I'm sure the stat was he 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 had hit like like 109 shots or something like that this season, and like I'm I'm sure that the player in second place had only hit like a, a like 79. Uh, but he's very much the focal point of their attack though isn't he he is yeah and he seems to play every minute of every game pretty much Mm -hmm. Uh, he's also Wolves record goal scorer in in a Premier League season uh, with his 14th goal uh, of the season Uh, and obviously there's still 8 games to go and he he he, he looks deadly like I know there's a lot of talk of you know Wolves Wolves fans are a little bit worried that they might not be able to keep him um because obviously big clubs are going to be looking at him because he's he's not just a a, a 
pump the ball in the air kind of player, is he? You know, he's no, he's, he can do all sorts he's a nuisance. Yeah. yeah, he's he's very very good. Um, so yeah, it'd be re- really interesting to see if they could keep him. But as I where where we go, I'm, you know, obviously I'd have him at the Emirates anyway. Um, but then again, I think I'd have Danny Ings at the Emirates. <laughs> I, I think I'd have Andy. Ca- I think I'd have Andy Carroll though. Biggest can't be choosers, Chris. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> uh, another another young striker, Neto, um, scored an absolute cracker. Well, it's Scandinavian value, isn't it? <laughs> oh, it was a great value. Do you know what? I tried all afternoon to try and come up with a supermarket joke for Neto because I thought, oh, we can make some kind of key wo- key worker Neto joke and whatever. <laughs> and could I think of one? No, but literally, wow, that's that's. Oh, you've blown me away, Dave. Oh, Pete, uh, absolute, absolute cracking goal, though. That's a lovely strike as well. It's the one you'd love to see when it comes off the boot that cleanly. Um, he looks handy, that Neto, as well. Uh, I know him and, he's only young, isn't he? Him and Jota seem to compete for that second spot, and uh, obviously Jota's been very good most of the season, but you can't knock Neto for uh, taking that chance when he's had it. Definitely, very, I say Wall's very impressive, uh, and still in the Europa League as well, which I believe now he's going to be some kind of weird knockout competition held in Lisbon. I'll tell you what, you wouldn't you wouldn't want to play Wolves. Um, no, in a and technically, if, if it's been played in Portugal, they're at home. <laughs> that will help. Is it the Champions League or the Europa League? One's in Germany, one's in in Portugal. I can't remember which. Oh, one okay. I, I thought they were doing them all in Portugal. Ah, I think I would. I, bu- wrong, I would but... probably say the. You'd think that the Champions League would be the one they do in Germany. You'd think. I mean, person. I would. I, sh- I say I'd research. But I mean, this is Chris Etchenham's job, and he can do the research and talk about Europe. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, let them have the European football when, oh. when we have to put when we have to put the likes of Bournemouth and stuff like that. Um, <laughs> so we might as well come on to Bournemouth in yeah the sat- Saturday night football and Bournemouth are shit, Dave. I mean, that's it. They're actually turbo shit, which is the worst kind of shit. Um, the, the, I got excited when I saw Brooks was playing for the first time in fourteen I know, months. I feel bad for him because he actually he wasn't he, <laughs> yeah. he, he wasn't bad by any means. But uh, as my dad always says, it's hard to fly like an eagle when you're working with turkeys, which is ironic when they're playing Crystal Palace. Um, yeah. but, they made uh, Palace look brilliant. Well, that's the thing. Like Palace are. I don't know how they do it. Like fundamentally, look at them on paper, and you go, you know what? You are fundamentally shite. Like you've got uh, ten Carthors players and Wilfred Zaha, and uh, Jordan Ayer looks like Pele. Like it doesn't make any sense. Like, <laughs> h- how has this happened? But they're just so yeah, he, he was scoring goals before the before the break as well, wasn't uh, he? Yeah, but they're just so organised. And as soon as you've got th- that solid base, and you, you you've got a front three who are willing to you know play with it, play the uh, the percentages. It, it just works. It's uh, it's very difficult to to break them down. But I I'd, I'd really argue that Palace played with the brakes on, especially yeah. oh. once they went two 0 up, oh, because the amount of time, like Zaha, the amount of times he could have left the Brighton defence for dead, mm. and he was literally just ambling through. But the second the build up play for the second goal, that was as good as it looked, was yeah. way too easy. It was. Uh, but yeah. He, he, as soon as they were turning it up, I say, uh, I know Palace aren't used to it because Palace was the first time they've scored in the first fifteen minutes of a game this <laughs> season. Well, because they're not they're not quick out the blocks, uh, but it, it would have been harder not to go one up against Bournemouth in that time. Uh, well, that's exactly it. Bournemouth just didn't play, and uh, obviously, I think it's helped them that Ryan Fraser decided enough's enough. So, 
You kind of have yeah. to have to sort of shrug your shoulders at that. Josh King got a tackle on him immediately before he even hit the ground. He's like, "Well, that's enough for me. I'm off." Um, Would you make a Gary Chaos challenge? Uh, it's it's about one of those. <laughs> Ten years ago, you wouldn't even thought it was being a foul. Um, I think even before VAR, you wouldn't have thought it was a foul. But I've seen reds for it. Yes, exactly. Um, and I'm sure I'm sure we saw a Palace player sent off through VAR. Well, it was Sackville, wasn't it? But I mean, that was a lot higher. Um, again, because... though, is it just me? But if a, if a foreign player makes that challenge rather than good old honest Gary Cahill, is there a different outcome? Probably. I I, I think I think he's he's out of control. Which which in the rules because his foot was off the floor. And all all I saw was like, oh no, it's not a foul. Uh, he won the ball. Like, well, that's one. That's not the rule. Mm. This isn't Sunday league. You win the ball, play on. Um, you know he's yet yeah, I can I consider him very lucky to have stayed on. I say we've seen. There were, I'm sure it was in the FA Cup or something or against Wolves. I don't know why. I think it was one of the very first VAR sending offs, and it was in, it was it was a Palace player, and it was exactly the same sort of tackle. I don't know if it was Milojovic or remember, something like so that. I remember, I remember happening to Sacco for um, you know the ex Liverpool defender for Palace yeah. it, uh, against Bournemouth. Actually, funnily enough, in the um, it was the first Amazon Prime game. Um, but yeah. where, where he won the ball, but the follow-through got the guy on the thigh, I think, which is why I think I understand it. Well, yeah, the thigh, the thigh is quite up. high, but yeah. he, he caught him above the ankle. Yeah, well, I mean... You have... know, so you can't say he was in control, because he's sliding along the floor, I mean, and he's lift, lift, if, if it had been boots, like, if his studs had caught him on the boots, you could argue, okay, he's sliding along the floor, that's where the ball is, but he's got, he would have been over the top of the ball, which in in the rules makes it reckless and out of control. Yeah, I mean they have that rule for excessive force, don't they? And you've got to think, well, this must have been pretty close to being excessive force, surely. <laughs> well, the, the new rule, the new rule is if you whether you win the ball or not, if you are deemed to be out of control, mm. it's it's a it's a, it's a red card. And uh, you can't argue that Gary Kale at any point was in control of that tackle when you're sliding along the floor <laughs> on a wet pitch with your foot above ankle height. I don't see that as a controlled uh, measure. So yeah, I, I say if Jefferson Lerma had made that tackle, or or something like that, as you say, I, I think we, there would have been a bigger deal made of it. Yeah, I think so. But they still won because Bournemouth well, were that bad. Yeah, that's pretty much where we're at with Bournemouth. Do you think they're down? Or do you think obviously they're not down, down. But do you think they're I, I think it, I, th- I think it'll take something special. As I say, like from what I've seen of Villa in the two games since they've come back, they look like they've got a fight in them, and I think they look like they'll play in teams around them. They'll take points. I think, obviously against the bigger boys, they'll tire and get and get taken apart like they did, uh, which we'll come on to in a moment. Um, but yeah, I think I think if if Villa have to play like the likes, I haven't looked at the fixtures, but if Villa have to play the likes of West Ham and Bournemouth and Brighton. They're gonna. Ta- they, I think they're gonna pick up points there. I don't see Bournemouth beating anybody bar Norwich, <laughs> and even then, I think Norwich would probably put them to bed because Norwich come out the blocks quite quickly. Bournemouth just look like they have nothing. They had King and what uh, Wilson on the pitch yesterday, and that that Scouse kid, that Harry Wilson, who looks fucking pointless unless there's a free kick <laughs> into it. That is, that is his know. thing, isn't it? You know, and no doubt Eddie Hale will try and bid twenty five million for him. Well, definitely. Um, but yeah, I, 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 no, I don't see anything. You know, they're still bringing on Dominic Solanke. Yeah, well, that's your plan B. I mean, that's it's not good, is it? 
I think he had more chances than, than Callum Wilson, though. Uh, Wilson's fallen off a cliff a bit, hasn't he? Since, uh, certainly since the opening few months of the season, he's hardly been seen since. And you think he'd be used to having time off in the middle of the season? Because he <laughs> does it every year. Well. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, no, I, I, yeah, I, I think I think Bournemouth are in a lot of trouble. And Palace look on, 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 on I think they've kept three consecutive clean sheets now. Um, they genuinely look like they're, they're, they're going to have their best Premier League season. I think their highest finish is 10th. Um, and I think they're around that now. Um I think they could, like you could see them sneak into the into the, into the top seven. Yeah, I mean they're ninth at the minute, two points behind mm-hmm. Sheffield United, who everyone's been waxing lyrical about all season. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, unfortunately for Palace, they didn't go to Anfield on Thursday or whatever night they play they, this week. They, they've got a, the thing is they've got quite a good record. They really do, don't they? Against <laughs> Liverpool Palace, yeah. It suits them, doesn't it? Playing against a team who obviously the fullbacks pretty much play up front for Liverpool, so leaves a lot of space in behind, which uh, favours you know. Zaha and whoever else plays, but um, we'll have to see how that goes. But uh, they've had a great season. Um, Hodgson's done a wonderful job there. Yeah. So talking of a wonderful job, Dave, let's do it. Sunday morning, <sighs> Steve Bruce's army took on Sheffield United. Mm. Just, just go, sir. Just go. Yeah. Well, it's, uh, it was nothing in it for forty-five minutes, and then Johnny Egan got probably the softest red card ever, but. By that law, it was a second yellow card, so mm-hmm. see you later. And for once, we actually took advantage and put them to the sword. Um, I think scoring quickly after the after the red card helped. Um, Sheffield United were, were pretty poor, but we, mm-hmm. we couldn't beat what's in front of you, and we played very well. Um, done the double over them this season, haven't you? Yes, we have, actually, yeah, yeah. I think you're the only team to have done it. I think they've only lost to three teams this season, and you're the only team to beat them twice. Nice. Well, yeah, two 0 there, players, and obviously three 0 yesterday. Um, as I say, I think obviously the red card changed the game. Um, Sam Maxon was brilliant throughout, proper threat throughout. You know, he can he must terrify defenders playing against him. You've no idea where he's going to go. He doesn't know. Well, I think that's part of the problem. But <laughs> he, he took his goal well. Uh, people were blaming Henderson for it, but you cannot, as a goalkeeper, you set your feet. You can't expect your defender to miss it completely, and then be able yeah, to, that, that's be, the thing. Yeah, and what Ender Stevens was doing. I know it was so bad, wasn't it? Um, for the second goal, though, I thought Henderson was all over the place. I think I'm always disappointed when keepers concede on the near post, um, and you can see from the replays he was just ambling back across, wasn't he? I think he must have played a pass mm-hmm. out or something like that. But yeah, um, to be fair to Richie, he hits it well. It swerves away from the goalkeeper. Um, how is that his first goal of the season? Considering that wasn't even the first decent shot he'd had in that game. Well, he, he missed a lot of the season because he got. Oh ha- God, yeah, he, he, he got, got ha- he got Hamza Chaudhry. Yeah, 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 yeah <laughs> like, like yeah. so many before him. Um, yeah, yeah. So he also missed a pen against Southampton in his last game. So because he does like to hit it, doesn't he? And he, he's genuinely one of these players who, when he hits it, he's not far away. Generally, so I was surprised when I heard it was his first goal of the season. Yeah, I mean, obviously he's been playing kind of a left wing-back role for us until the last few games when we've moved back to a 4-2-3-1 and he's been playing on the right or left of that. Um, which is fine. Like he, the thing with Richie is he's, he's got no pace really, but he's quite clever. So if he can, if he finds half a yard, he will just shoot. And he, you know, he obviously hits a great shot, as you saw yesterday. Um, so he's he's a good player to have around because he's quite, quite versatile. But um, I thought... Generally, the front four were very good. Um, mm-hmm. Joe Linton fluffed a big chance, but 
generally his, his work rate was good. Got yeah. his goal in the end from all of a couple of yards, but that's where you want your centre forward to score from. I, I, he his link up play with Almiron was very good. Yeah, they were ve- they were very good. I, I mean, Almiron playing as a ten is what we've been crying out for, and since he's done it, he's obviously started scoring a few goals because he's he'd never really been a right winger throughout his career, um, which is where we had him positioned to begin with, and then eventually we've started playing him in this ten role again, and uh, he's been very good. So. You know, can't really argue with with that. Um, I thought we were very lucky. Billy Sharp missed that chance. I, I thought defensively we were all right. Nothing, nothing flash. But I say obviously playing against ten helps. But um, it was it was as good as you'd expect from the first game back against a team who, like I say, have been very good all season. But we didn't really give them that much of a chance throughout. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I saw Sheffield United against Villa in in the the opening game of Project Restart. Um, and I wasn't that impressed with them. They didn't look the same team that they have done. And obviously, it's the first game after three months, and and this was the second game. And yeah, going down to ten men didn't help. But yeah, they they didn't look the same sort of team. And you know, and it, I know um, Fleck returned for this game, and obviously Lundstrom was uh, was relegated to the bench as a result. Who's been more their their more attacking threat this season? Yeah. And people are like, oh, you know, it's the man. You know, we can't criticise Chris Wilder. It, it, you know, the players have got to be eased back in. But Billy Sharp has started two games in a row. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> uh, I mean, I think what the, what they missed here was that uh, O'Connell, the left centre back, because they do this overlapping centre half thing. Basham did it a lot. Overload now. Yeah. Our left. Side. Well, Jack Robinson's a left back by trade. Well, I mean, I didn't know who Jack Robinson was, was until Wednesday. Yeah, so. <laughs> when he was at, when he was at Liverpool, uh, if it's the same lad, played for QPR as well. I think that's him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Attacking left back, very good on Football Manager. Yeah. Um, but yeah, he was an attacking attacking left back who who who, who they have slipped inside uh, to play, like, kind of like Kieran Tierney can do, hmm. where he can slip into the left side of a three. Uh, so he's an attack attack minded defender. Yeah, well, he just didn't get forward enough for the system they use, and obviously once they went down to 10, they scrapped that all together and went back to the four. Yeah. But, um, with Sheffield United, you always get the impression the players who play know their roles inside out. And if you start to make players, move players out of that, out of that team, the replacements aren't necessarily that good. Um, obviously, they've paid quite a bit of money for Berger, the centre-mid, who has been playing instead of Lundstrom recently. Um, got a, he's meant to be quite good, but he doesn't look like he knows the rule that well just yet. Mm-hmm. Um, but they've obviously had a very good season. Was this a blip, or is this going to be how they are now? I guess we'll find out. That's the thing. They 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 were in a really good run, and interestingly enough, the last time when you beat them before, they'd been unbeaten in seven games then, <laughs> and they were also unbeaten in seven games this time. So uh, they obviously don't want to see you as their eighth game in a run. Uh, any. <laughs> Um, but yeah, they were on a good run before before the before the lockdown and, and whatever. But yeah, you, we did, we kind of wondered when teams would figure them out, perhaps, mm. um, and maybe having that extra, the, you know, these extra three months off. Because usually you see it happen the next season, don't you? Teams get found out in in their second season. But technically, this is like the start of another season, isn't it? So. Oh, I mean, this has been as long as any sort of pre-season break, hasn't it? Three months is. Uh... It's a long time to go without without playing. And so Sheffield United, the way they play, I just feel like their sk- their strength is um, like total organisation and almost they wait for the other team to make a mistake. They don't necessarily break you down. Um, they just 
will keep doing the same thing again and again and again until the opposition don't handle it, uh, and then they inevitably score. Um, and when they're not on that, the drop-off is quite big. Mm-hmm. Um, one final thought for me in regard to Newcastle. So it has been brought to my attention that Steve Bruce has a better record this season than Rafa Benitez. Well, he will do, because he's spent, what, 40 million on Joel Linton, 15 on Sun Maximum. Uh, he's had, obviously, Almiron from the start, instead of just t- 12 games that Benitez had. Um, he's actually been allowed to spend money and build on, on what we had, um, which is what should have happened with Benitez in the first place, but instead he spent minus £45 million last summer. Does he stay if the takeover goes ahead? Uh, he will until the end of the season, but beyond that I'd be very surprised. Oh, come on, I want to see, I want to see Steve Bruce bop it, uh, bossing Mbappe around on the touchline. <laughs> well, I mean, as much as we all love to see that, um, I can't imagine anyone with billions... You can have Adi Boyor! Oh, I mean, I'm sure he will come cheap. <laughs> um, yeah. yeah, he'd love the Northwest in his fucking chrome Lamborghini. No, I mean the thing with Steve Bruce is he's North East driver. Bruce has done a very good job of keeping a club up, but you wouldn't want him to go and take a club to Europe or beyond, or you know whatever the new owners want to achieve with yeah. us. Yeah, I very much doubt they want Steve Bruce to be that man. Um, I don't wish him any ill will. Like he's done a good job with with what we've had here. The football hasn't been pretty at times, but then again, it wasn't always pretty under Benitez. Um, we've been very lucky. I think he's he's been a lucky manager in terms of some of the results he's picked up from games where we've had less than 25% of the ball. Um, and that Chelsea game was the prime example where we got battered for 89 minutes and scored from a corner, probably our only corner. Um, so in that, you know, I'm pleased he's kept us up. Of course I am. Um, but I, if we are to go at the next level with a new owner and whatever else is going to happen, um, I don't want him to be the manager for that. I'm probably going to call it now, but I reckon that you'll finish above us this season. The way it's going, you wouldn't be surprised. But uh, we've got quite a run of games coming up, um, and if we can't beat fucking Brighton, we're not we're not going to be beating. You've got like, the you've got Norwich to come in a few games. I mean that's uh, there, there, there's a point. Um, but yeah, so yeah, think things looking all right at, at Newcastle. Uh, are you bothered which consortium takes over? Oh, absolutely. Want the Saudi Arabians to take over? Um, <laughs> you can't turn up, turn down that level of wealth. Like, I mean, mm-hmm. if the supposed plans they want, it'll not just be for the football club, but the whole city will benefit from it. Um, and I think that's you know the whole. Everyone's in need of good news, um, and if ours comes via that, then you know all the better. Um, the American guy seems like an American Mike Ashley in terms of... He seems like he's being investigated for fraud. Yeah. So now, obviously, that's a little bit different from some of the accusations aimed at the Middle East yes. uh, and stuff like that, but I'm not going to get into sports washing or anything well, like no. that. Yeah. Exactly. Um, we'll let Chris Etch do that. Um, <laughs> which, I'm wow. sure, which I'm sure he will, but, uh, you know, if you if you turning down Saudi Arabia because of that then you can't have Disney, you can't have BT you can't have that record label they bought um, so, you know, make your choices really Yeah, yeah, it would be very strange. Um, I say I did notice today that the um, Saudi Arabian TV company uh, that they own who have been um, involved in this p- uh, pirate Premier League football situation uh, have, have come out and taken measures to end that 
to try and get the, the takeover deal pushed through. It's taking longer than usual, though, isn't it? Yeah, well, I think this piracy thing probably has been a bit of a stumbling block. And while they never officially said, you know, you failed the test, they've probably said you need to, ch- need to address this before we'll pass you. Mm-hmm. Um, and the noises of the last day or so have been that that now has taken place and everyone's expecting the green light any day now. Um, but it's been going on the entirety of lockdown, so... Um, it would be lovely to have it all signed settled in good time for the end of the season so we can actually you know have a, a summer of rebuilding or what will probably be an autumn of rebuilding though it's going but um we're all desperate for change at newcastle as we've said many times on this mm-hmm. on this podcast you know we've had 13 years of kind of purposely battling beneath our weight um for the sake of being in the premier league rather than wanting to be up the premier league um i don't think many neutrals will be good a fresh start at Newcastle no not at all I'm kind of, kind of looking forward to it uh, on to the rest of the games then so uh, Sunday afternoon saw Aston Villa take on Chelsea at Villa Park uh, where quite possibly the uh, I'm going to give Courtney Hawes the, um, the the title of probably one of the worst defensively positioning based defenders in the Premier League oh. I've never, he, all, he's constantly out of position and he's constantly waving his arms around or being pointed at by, by his teammates for being out of position. Uh, but then opens the scoring. Yeah, well, I couldn't believe this. I was I watched 44 minutes of this match and then I can't remember where I went. It must have been near enough, 5 o'clock. Uh, and came back to see the end of the half-time analysis and Villa were winning. I was like, well, where's this coming from? Because they barely had a mm-hmm. kick. <laughs> yeah, Chelsea um, were all over them. Yeah, seemingly the second half was exactly the same. <laughs> Villa tried to defend on the... 18-yard line for as long as possible, but uh, once Chelsea got through once, they obviously got through again very quickly afterwards. Never really explained why Aspilicueta obviously got his first assist from right back and his second assist from left back within a minute of each other. Like, what was that about? Why was he over there? I'm not even sure where he was playing <laughs> either. Um, but yeah, no. Two goals in two minutes brought Chelsea back into it. In a game, yeah, they were comfortably uh, ahead. Um Giroud, he, he's 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 turn for, for his goal as well. Um, oh, makes me miss him so much. <laughs> yeah, he's un- he's under underappreciated Giroud, isn't he? But um, mm. again, we've probably said this before, but I feel like had he been around in the early two thousands, he'd be one of the best strikers in Premier League history. As like a a big man, little man type striker. Whereas now mm-hmm. he doesn't score enough goals to be that number one striker on his own. Um, People won't accept that as a top club, as a striker mm-hmm. who doesn't necessarily score every week. Um, oh, Spurs will. Yeah, well, <laughs> Spurs have got Harry Kane, so <laughs> well, he takes a mean um, penalty, Chris. Yeah, uh, Loftus Cheek was the latest player to benefit from three months of the season being delayed. Uh, gave him chance to to come back from his injury uh, straight into the starting lineup as well. Yeah, yeah. I felt for him because he's not a right winger or left winger. He played out of position, really, didn't he? Um, mm-hmm. And it, I didn't see the point in doing that. It's not like Chelsea are short of options. Like you want to play and play him in his best position. I, I didn't think this was particularly fair on a man who'd been out for three months, to, or more than three months, really, when you take out the lockdown as well. Um, I suppose it's game time, though, isn't it? Well, it is, but I say, like, would it have really been that difficult to play him in centre mid and play Mount wide? I know Mount's like Lampard's son, but... <laughs> Um, what do you make of young Keenan Davis? Not seen much of him. I hadn't seen much of him until Wednesday. He's big he, as well, isn't he? He's a big lad. He, uh, 
I think I've already had a lot of injuries, which I'm not surprised because he's obviously been on the old, uh, the old, <laughs> the old steak and mince diet, whatever you call it. Where, yeah, yeah, he's, um, he's obviously training with Armando Traore yes. at some gym in the West Midlands. I just say steak and mince. I think I went steak and milk, but mince milk is all the same. Yes, it's all the same. <laughs> um, yeah, he's obviously a big lad. He's, I think he must be. He must be young. I'm guessing, is he? he I think he's like 19. Uh, or something. Um, I think they brought him into a cup game yeah. earlier on in the season, um, and then um, obviously he you know, started. He started the first game against Sheffield United. Yeah. He ended up a handful there as well. Well, he, um, he didn't really fancy his chances against Rudiger and Christensen with you know all his teammates being 60 yards away from him. But he, he battled gamely for an hour. Yeah, but, he should have scored the opener. Yes, it possibly should have done. Horse took it off his toe, didn't they? <laughs> yeah, well. Um, I thought he was good against Sheffield United, though, um, which is probably a better barometer of where he's at. But, uh, yeah, it's a bit of a fine for Villa. Makes you wonder why they spent all that money on Samata, whatever he's called. Samata, what's Samata? What indeed. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I, I, I've been quietly impressed with Villa. So I watched the first game back, I did probably about 20 million other uh, blokes uh, on Wednesday night against Sheffield United. And so as, as poor as Sheffield United were, I thought Villa looked alright. Uh, Jack Grealish, uh, talking about the game against Sheffield United now, was head and shoulders the best player on that pitch. Like, if, if, you, were, if, if you showed somebody who'd never seen football before and said, one of these players is a Premier League player, the others aren't, which one is it? They would have easily picked out Jack Grealish yes. on Wednesday because he was strolling around like he was the, like, like like yeah like the professional footballer uh, on the school playground. Uh, not so much of it yesterday though, um, but he still looks too good for Villa. Yeah, that's the thing. He, he's another one who's he's ahead of his teammates, um, and Villa mm-hmm. don't seem to know where to play him to get the best out of him. He played from the left a lot as like a free rule. Um, I think having John McGinn back will help him a lot. McGinn's very, yeah, I very almost good. forgot that McGinn had come back from injury as well. Yeah, he? he could play John McGinn. I like him. Yeah. Uh, I think having him around will obviously help Grealish a bit more. Um, but yeah, and Villa just lack goals, don't they? If it's not Grealish. Yeah. <laughs> obviously the score That's the problem. If, if, they, if they had a goal scorer, I don't think they'd be as in nearly as much trouble as they currently are. Yeah, and Wesley's obviously injured. He was even he wasn't lethal, was he? He was decent, but he wasn't. Uh, mm-hmm. he, he wasn't looking like he was going to get twenty goals a season anytime soon. Um, whether Keenan Davis can help them out with that, it's a big ask of a young lad. But mm-hmm. um, they're they're in the mix, aren't they? They're, they've got us actually on Wednesday at our place. Um, they need to pick up a win from somewhere, but they just yeah. can't, they can't, they can't defend. Like I know. I know we say they don't score many goals, but they they, they concede a lot of goals. Yeah, I say I, f- I think their fixture depending on their running. As I say, if if they've got a, a running that involves a couple of the teams around them, I think they could pick up some points. But yeah, against I think like, maybe against like your lot, I think your lot after with their tails up after after uh, yesterday's result could could probably could probably get something there as well. Um, but yeah, I, I think they've played most of the big boys now though. Um, uh, but said, they're not going out and getting hammered. Okay, they got lamped four 0 by Leicester just before the lockdown. Um, but they've generally given a good account of themselves in most of their games, Villa. So. Oh yeah, they're, they're normally in it for a little bit. So they've got us on Wednesday, then they've got Wolves on Saturday, obviously a derby yeah. game. Mm-hmm. Uh, Liverpool away, Man United at home, Palace, Everton, Arsenal, West Ham. I think West Ham's yeah. West Ham's the last day of the season, which could be uh, could be a big game. Could, could be winner takes all. Could be. Uh, that's that's smash Arsenal, I imagine. <laughs> we'll see. You never know. 
You never know. Strange things happen. Uh, the final game of the of the weekend, though, unless we want to talk about Man City just destroying Burnley while recording. That was horrendous for, for Burnley. Anyway, <laughs> speaking of horrendous. Uh, <laughs> uh, yes, yeah. Um, Everton hosted Liverpool in the Merseyside derby, or the game where entitled FC were going to lift the trophy uh, for all to see, but obviously that didn't happen now. Um, the only thing, apart from the fact Everton probably should have won this game, that I've got written down is Mike Riley's got a beard. What is going on? That's horrific as well, isn't it? It's not a great <laughs> beard. Um, this game was horrific. Everything about it was... It was so bad. But I think we said this, we said this every time. That the derby at Goodison is always nil-nil or nil-one. Yep. Or it's, like it's, it's always a nip-and-tuck game. I actually bet on nil-nil. Most side derbies in general aren't very good. Yeah, I actually bet on this game finishing nil-nil. That's how confident I was it was going to be goals. Yeah. Jurgen Klopp blamed the fact that there were no fans in the ground. That wouldn't have helped. Um, it wouldn't have made any difference. Carlo, Carlo Ancelotti was just like, well, no, these, this is what these games are like. Oh, no, so I, think, I, think, I think Jurgen Klopp actually in the end did turn around and say, yeah, the, the, the derbies are always great end-to-end games anyway yeah. uh, and stuff like that. But I know at one point there were comments made about the crowd and stuff like that. Um, Minamino came in for Salah um, and looked like it was the first time he'd seen a football. Uh, he wasn't. I mean, he's was, he was just off the page. He's not a bad player. He's looked quite lively when he's, uh, yeah, when he's the, played. The, the thing from the they've got themselves in this position where their front three are brilliant when they're all on it. But how would you add to that? You can't. It's very hard to find someone who's willing to play backup. Um, even like Oxley Chamberlain and stuff, he, he, he's a centre mid now for me. He's not a winger. He, he plays yeah. his better stuff through the middle. Um, Origi, very hit and miss. Um, again, what is he? Is he a winger? Is he a centre forward? Seems obviously scored some, scored some very important goals them over the last couple of years, but nowhere near the level of that front three. And Minamino, obviously, he's very new at the league, but uh, I, I've seen nothing from him yet to suggest he's going to trouble them. He's going to be a squad player at best. It must be difficult, though, for him, because, as I say, no matter how good a game he has, if, if he'd have had a great game and scored a hat-trick against Everton there, he's losing his place in the next game. Yeah, well, in all likelihood, yeah. And uh, I guess this, it, was, it was a bit harsh to put him in, like especially as he hadn't played for three months, but I guess I think it was a bit of a reward because apparently he's been... Uh, Learning English like intensively over the the three month break, which oh you know. wicked! Can you teach Jordan Anderson? <laughs> I doubt it. Better, better men have tried. <laughs> but um, yeah, this was a it was a crap game, and Everton probably should have won it towards the end. Do you think it would have been a different game had the title been on the line for Liverpool there? Possibly, um, but I don't imagine Everton were very keen for them to win it at Goodison. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I think they were they were always going to go hammer and tongs for it, um, but I say that the game's always nil nil. It's all it's it, it was never going to be a game where Liverpool could flick a switch and win. Like it's, Everton have got some good players, and I think when they can, when they can be asked, there is they're they're a top eight club easily. I know they're twelfth at the minute, but those players shouldn't be twelfth. Mm. Should have won it. Should have done. Um, I mean, there were Dave, Davis's chance alone. Well, there were Joe Gomez's in a in a car from winning at one 0 wasn't? There? But uh, mm-hmm. it was actually a very good block in the end. Yeah, uh, Richarlison had quite a few chances. Oh. He had one one at the end Why where he should roll have scored it. Your yeah. mate Awobi, who wrote, could have wrote himself in a history. Yeah, but instead oh, he... I, I'd have cried if Awobi had scored the winning goal. <laughs> in the but instead, he shot from a ridiculous angle. So uh, there you but go. yeah, Cal- Calvert Lewin missed a few a few chances. <laughs> I mean, uh, that, that well, ba- which that, is unlike him, isn't it? That, that back heel was a bit unlucky. I thought that was quite clever, but uh, mm-hmm. yeah, 
It's um, uh, it was unlucky in the end, Fairfan. Yeah, the only other talking point that I've got, uh, apart from Sadio Mane um, getting a bit excited and forgetting to do the Black Lives Matter <laughs> uh, uh, thing at the beginning, which was a bit strange. Uh, he's back. He got his old spring in his boots back again. Did you see his dive? Um, Dinier's tackle. Oh yes, I did. Yeah, I mean that was a great tackle. He got booked for it. <laughs> yeah, and, and yet Gary Kale uh, gets gets away with practically almost snapping Josh King's uh, leg. All we want is consistency, Chris. <laughs> yeah, yeah. VAR brings all that apparently. Um, <laughs> but yeah, like, I, 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 I can't, I can't believe that Mane just literally throws himself in the air like a salmon. Uh, Dinier, perfectly good tackle, and uh, textbook. I, I, I suppose is the definition of the tackle. And yeah, get to booking. Um, there's no way Liverpool aren't winning the league, though. At all. No, I did well, see. I, mean, I did will. see on Sky. Uh, I can't remember who it was. Um, oh, it was Kelly Dow- Kelly Dalglish. She's not Kelly Dalglish now. Kelly Cates. Um, she turned around at full time and she's like, "Oh, the title race has just got complicated." Mm. How? How has it got complicated? It's only complicated because they're playing on different days. Like, so the scenario we've got now is obviously Man City won tonight. So Liverpool could they must play Wednesday, I'm gonna guess. They must if they beat uh, yeah, Palace on Wednesday, I think. So if they beat Palace, um let's have a look. Is it Wednesday? They could be champions at the weekend still. Yeah, if they win on Wednesday and then City don't beat Chelsea on Thursday night, mm-hmm. Liverpool will win the league. I'm pretty sure that Liverpool could win the league if they lost every game last this season. But then, then it gets really silly because Liverpool's next game is Man City. Obviously if Man City win that then it'll have to go up the next weekend. Um, oh no. So, it's so complicated. That, that's twenty odd point gap. So they may not win until the 5th of July. Oh, that would be horrible, Dave, imagine. Oh, fucking hell. Pretty, yeah, that might be, yeah. Pretty, I couldn't believe it. Pretty embarrassing to have to wait until the 5th of July, having been on the cusp since February or whatever it is. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I think, we, I think we should just cancel the season, to be fair. Imagine um, that if there's a second spike before <laughs> that happens. So. Oh, 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 no, hey. <laughs> oh, oh. The thing is, the thing that's really funny, right, I don't know, like, I've been watching on Sky, Sky have got no. They are not holding back at all. So they, they obviously they're showing the Liverpool Palace game on Wednesday, and even during the Everton game, they they were showing like this great procession of, uh, procession of Liverpool captains, like their ghosts lifting the, the the league trophy, as if they're just they're just waiting for a coronation. I don't give a fuck about the games. <laughs> the Liverpool coronation because they know that every fucker in Liverpool is going to huddle around fucking radio rentals. And, and fucking <laughs> and watch the game. It's 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 genuinely a little bit shocking, uh, to be fair. Um, but yeah, and and then obviously that's not going to happen now, and, and unless Man City drop points. But I haven't watched that game just. I, that I mean, you'd be brave to bet on Man City dropping points when they've got no other distractions. Um, I mean, they've got the FA Cup at the weekend where they're playing the mighty mighty Magpies. But I can't imagine they'll be thinking about uh, resting players for for anybody because. What does it matter? You, you take out one and another world-class player comes in. So, uh, but yeah, but I just thought it funny that people are like, "Oh, Liverpool might not win the title." No, no, no. There's not a chance that Liverpool do not lift that trophy. Yeah, I mean they've got to play Arsenal, so that's at least three more points. Exactly. There you go. There's your points. There's your points in the bag. <laughs> just turn up at the Emirates, kick one of our players a few times, off you go. Job done. Um. <laughs> Phil Foden just got man of the match in the, the Man City game. Um, he did score twice. He probably deserves it. Absolutely ripped Burnley apart from what I saw. Um, so, yeah, that, that's, 
that's all the games covered then, Dave. Anything <laughs> else to discuss while we're here? Uh, no, I think we've discussed everything that's ever happened in the history of lockdown. Uh, so I, I think the fixtures now are. It's midweek. There's midweek rounds and then weekend rounds, isn't it? So we can keep doing a weekend show. Uh, I wasn't entirely uh, sure at one point because because there's football practically every day. Oh, it's carnage! And I say the problem is this weekend. There's a mix of there's about three league games because the FA Cup. So the games that aren't played on the weekend are played like Tuesday, Wednesday kind of thing. So yeah, good luck with that. Yeah, oh, I think we've got Sheffield United in the cup, haven't we? That'll be interesting. There's yeah, uh, Sheffield United in the. Uh... I was about to ask if you're still in the cup. Yeah, yeah, no, we're we're we're, we're in, we've got. I'm sure we've got Sheffield United. Who I've sat here saying how bad they've been playing for the last two games, so they'll obviously thump us four uh, nil next Sunday. Um, yeah. So yeah, and you got Man City in the cup as well. We have on Sunday at six pm. Yeah, the, the the timings are a bit weird, aren't they? Like Sunday night football is is it, strange. I quite like it in a way, but uh, it's um, it is odd. It's. Uh, it's not really what we're used to, is it? But it's the six o'clock midweek game as well. I'm just finishing work, and there's football on. I'm so- well, I mean, unpopular opinion, but I would, I was all for putting every game on a weeknight, six, like have two a night, six and eight o'clock, and leave the weekends free because you're like you're like me working from home. If I've been mm-hmm. cooped up in the house for five days working from home, get to the weekend. I want to go out. Yeah, you kind of want to do stuff, yeah. but you can't because there's four games. I'm exactly, saying, but I think, but you know, I've got to watch this game. Um, yeah. <laughs> now, yeah, no, be exactly the same. Watching the yeah, Kremlin games. So I'd, so I'd have said that would have been the way to go, but uh, here we are. Um, it doesn't really matter. I've, I've, to be honest, I've Sky Plus a lot of games and and, and fast forwarded through them if uh, if I've been out. So. Yeah, I, I did. I did that with a few. Like, just well, I watch most of the games, but then I watch Match of the Day too this afternoon just to remind myself. Uh, of, of some of the things that happen. Uh, how do you feel about the possibility of this new uh, televised, practically almost every game, becoming an ongoing thing? Uh, I wouldn't like it. Because apparently the case is being made now for free. Because obviously we've had the first three o'clock kickoff mm. uh, on a Saturday televised, and the case is now being made. Uh, and I think one uh, the rumor I heard is the way that the Premier League or, or, or the TV companies will try and get it around the Premier League is that obviously the likes of your television broadcasters now who will have more there will be more packages to bid on. Oh yeah. So when there's money suddenly missing out the game, obviously because of sponsorships and the coronavirus and stuff like that, um, the um, the the could we the TV companies could be willing to put in more money into the game to get more games shown like next season, uh, and obviously help rebalance the finances of football. Uh, I mean, I'm sure some people would love it, but for me, as I said at the start of the show, like there's some games that just shouldn't be on telly, like. I don't want to see Watford versus Burnley. I know, ever. and I know it's a choice to watch these things, but fundamentally, if I'm in the house and there's a game on telly, I'm going to watch it. Um, yeah, it's, it's but, terrible. But it's it's kind of it's, it's sad to say, but it does shape your weekend normally when you've got like right. I know there's two games on Sunday, two and four thirty, whatever it is. So I can get stuff done in the morning. I can get stuff done in the night, and we can go plays and we can do things, and I'll watch this game then, and whatever else happens. But if every single game's on, like. Yeah. Uh, it was much better when Super Sunday and the like was Super Sunday. Yes. It was always the big games, and then when they came up with the rule that okay, every every team's got to be shown uh, and stuff like that. So then you end up with your you know your Bournemouth versus fucking Burnley on a <laughs> on a on a Saturday morning and stuff like that, and you think, oh, I don't really want to watch this, but I've got to. 
Yeah, um, well, that's pretty much where I'm at with it. And if if this lockdown continues where we can't go into stadiums and things, then by all means keep it going because people want stuff to watch, especially during when it gets to the winter. I mean, you know, you can't really go out as much then anyway. But um, as soon as fans are allowed back in the thing like lower league stadiums, they cannot have every Premier League game on the telly or else those clubs are going to die. Mm-hmm. I do like the idea. Have you heard what Wolves have done for their game in midweek? What's that? So Wolves' game is on BT Sport on Tuesday or Wednesday night. Right. Uh, so what they have done is Wolves have sent all of their season ticket holders a pass for BT Sport to watch the game. Oh, that's nice. So they don't have to pay any extra uh, to, to watch the game, uh, whether that will be an ongoing thing or not. But I thought, I thought that, that's a really nice gesture. Yeah, yeah, fair play. So, uh, I, I was really excited at one point. There was the, there was talk that game, clubs were going to be able to do it where you could basically pay a small amount and be able to watch the game as if you were sat in the stadium. On like Zoom or something. Because well, I know at the, at the Emirates they've got a thing where you can go onto the website and if you're buying a ticket, you can press a button and it will show you the view from that seat. Must be a fucking nightmare the, though to try and like <laughs> as a director like to go left or right. Like I mean, you can't be everywhere, can you? It's not like it's I know, like, yeah. Um, so I thought that was quite interesting, but obviously that hasn't happened. But like, have you seen these fucking stupid fans that they have in Zoom? Yes. Stuff like that. And um, it's quite clear that that is not live because there's, <laughs> there's the one in the the Man City game. The, it was the Man City Arsenal game when um, Garcia got knocked out. Obviously, the screen was just behind him, and they've got the same guy cheering with his fist in the air <laughs> while Garcia's unconscious on the floor, having air and all the physios around him and everything. And all you can see is some Man City guy shaking his fist, like cheering and stuff like that. Which they basically they've got the fans to just film a celebration. And just show it, you know, keep showing it on the big screen. Although there were a lot of jokes made because I think it's like a, a fifteen-panel screen, and Man City only actually filled about twelve of them. <laughs> so keep keeping up tradition there. Uh, right, uh, please uh, pimp all your uh, stuff. I'm sure you've still got stuff going up on the website and stuff, haven't you? I have, yes. Yeah. So uh, my Twitter is at cm9798, and the website is cm9798.co.uk. We've got a blog every day at the minute, all seven days of the week. Uh, any more Champman on the post episodes come in? Yeah, so we've Ross and I have recorded um, the next episode, which is all about Champman 102, which many say is the best version. Um, I'm just in the middle of doing the last interview. Um, I've, got a, I've got a time schedule to get that recorded this week, I think. So that should be up next week, uh, and it'll be dropping onto your podcast apps and things around then. Excellent. Uh, you can check us out at Man on the Post on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, all of that. Check out all the other great shows that have been the 11 Pieces of Me uh, series has returned. There's been quite a few of those available. Myself and Dave have both been on it. Uh, I can't remember your team now, Dave. Uh, I, I think I'm sure Alan Shearer was in there somewhere. Shearer was the captain, along with, you know, he had some, he had Merce and he had Sibby and uh, Dion Dublin. It was a, it was a who's who of football, really. Yeah, I picked Clayton Blackmore. Well, uh, Ryan did. Ryan didn't have a clue. Uh, <laughs> um, but yeah, check those out. There's, there's quite a lot from uh, within the team and the community uh, as well. And obviously, all the other shows are back up and running. So the extra time guys, they've been knocking out shows throughout this period. Uh, I'm just not creative enough to have come up with anything. Um, and I say, as more and more football gets shown, uh, I think Ross is doing some lower league football thing. Uh, you know, if you if you're into like wooden clackers and muddy fields and stuff i'm sure there's some kind of championship show uh so he, he can basically catalog <laughs> lead 
<laughs> catastrophic fall into seventh place in the championship. Sorry, Ross. Uh, and that is it then. Uh, again, Dave, thank you very much for joining me. It's been great to, to do this, yeah, even thanks, though Chris. I feel like I've completely forgotten how to do it. <laughs> well, uh, but, but like the rest of the Premier League, I'm sure we'll get back into the swing of things. That's all right. We'll have some fake, uh, fake crowd to download it and it'll be absolutely fine. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, that's it then. Thank you very much. And always remember to keep your man on the post.